Hey, it's Alex, or Wires of NYC, here with... Aerialist, hi! Uh, Ariel, you're looking like a snack this evening. Yeah. You're dressed as a parfait. <laughs> Everybody loves parfait. <laughs> I think I'm like Queen Frostine from Candyland. Nice. And I'm over here looking like a jerk. Mm-hmm. A soda jerk. A ice cream jerk. Mm-hmm. Ice cream paint job because you have paint on your pants. <laughs> nice. Because I've been painting at the location of our, our sponsor, our sponsor <laughs> Silo Brooklyn. But we're going to talk about ice cream because summer's coming up and it's ice cream weather. It's going to be so cool. <laughs> there's ice cream wars. Yeah, there's ice cream wars. There's blood in the ice cream. There's a lot of technology behind the ice cream. Which you will be explaining because you know math. There's a lot of people getting food poisoning. Yes, <laughs> so much food poisoning. A lot of bacteria infected ice cream because you don't cook it. So Licking it from the same bowl as others and touching the touching and the unpasteurized milk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using unclean spoons, for example. They need that's why they needed the spoon exchange program. Yeah. Uh, so when did when did people start making ice cream? Who kicked it? Who kicked it off? As as old, it's as a tale as old as time. Before Jesus, they were making ice cream high up in the mountain. I don't know how. I think there were like hieroglyphics of the ice cream. You know, it's like guy going like this. There were. Guy putting a cherry on top. In Egyptian tombs, there's a picture of like a some frozen dessert that like a pharaoh was enjoying. But yeah, before refrigeration, which is really like until the late 1800s, ice cream is very much reserved for the the wealthy. It's because it's hard to get ice, and there was a whole industry well, in it's ice, m- which we'll get to a little yeah. later. It's hard to make ice. It's if you have a a servant, you can send them up to the mountains to get sure to get ice um and i guess people who were in cold places they were like we're not gonna eat we're not gonna eat anything cold like if you were living in the north pole or alaska or they weren't having ice cream (laughs) in alaska they were not eating baked alaskas but in persia they would get really hot and in 500 bc they would pour grape juice oh grape juice concentrate welches you know over the snow and they would eat it during hot summers so yeah, I guess the Persians had some mountains nearby they could go up to and get the snow. There's a, the first recipe for an ice dessert dates to 400 BC, which was a, for the royal family. It was a royal dessert. It was iced rose water, which doesn't sound that good. Vermicelli, saffron, fruits, and other sweet flavors. Is this like pasta? <laughs> I think the vermicelli might be a transcription error there. I don't. That doesn't no, no, it's sense. it's it it's it's not a transcription error. It it's. Around this time, there was also like chocolate lasagna type things. People were doing a lot with uh, it, it's kind of like mochi, I guess you can think of it as because it's got like a dough, right? I guess so. They're... Yeah, like rice noodles. It's like a rice mochi. Yeah, but ice noodles. <laughs> ice rice ice noodles. Okay. Well, that's what mochi is. So All right. There you go. Sounds... Persia invented mochi. Take that, Sounds Japan. Gross. Yeah, and then there are there's recordings that Nero liked chilled delicacies. So one of many, I guess, opulent things that Nero was doing is he had a supply of ice from the mountains brought to him so that he could have it with fruit and honey. All the way, jumping all the way to the Dark Ages in Europe or a, whoa, 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 the Golden whoa, Age in China. What about, what about the, the Sang Dynasty in 618? Yeah, in Europe, that's Dark Ages. But in China, they're having dessert. The Tang Dynasty are eating cow, goat, or buffalo milk. Heated with flour, 
But they were pasteurizing it, so they at least like were smart enough to heat it. Because mm. if you try to just cool down on pasteurized milk, you will get sick. Yeah. Well, they they know everything. Ember saying was the man. Yeah, and they added camphor to it. Okay, okay, that takes a turn. It takes a turn. But it says that they would mix the he would mix the camphor and then place it into metal tubes and lower into an ice pool until it was frozen, which I'm like, the technology, the innovations, right? Yeah. You can make ice cream that way yourself, too. You can just, in an ice cube tray, even. This is like a three-digit year, (laughs) and there is, you know, Emperor Sang is like, I got you. He's like, I got a whole system for this. Also paper. Love Uh, it. Shout out Twitch (laughs) listeners, Anne of Chelsea. And the Brooklyn Bush. The Brooklyn Bush are window size, so it says the Brooklyn Bus, which is actually very accurate <laughs> for that per- particular person. So the Arabs uh, kept working on ice cream, um, as handed to them from the Persians thousands of years earlier. So there's recordings from 800 to 900 AD of the Arabs defining the coming up with the modern recipe for ice cream, where, and unlike the Sang Dynasty gross version of just milk with flour. With camphor added, the Arabs thought to add milk and sugar as the primary ingredients. So by the 900s AD, they were making rosewater-flavored ice cream with milk, cream-flavored rosewater, and adding fruit and nuts to it. Trail mix. <laughs> Trail mix flavor. Well, yeah, or rosewater-flavored with, like, they were doing the Ben & Jerry's thing long before Ben & Jerry's, mixing in the toppings. They were, they were also supporting Bernie Sanders. They were doing the McFlurry. Just like Ben & Jerry. Yeah, and so it was uh, the recordings of it and recipes for it in Baghdad, Damascus, and Cairo. Okay, so how did it get to Europe? The Persians have it. The Persians have invented the ice cream. But Europe, still in the Dark Ages, they don't even know. Who told them? It was Marco Polo. Yeah, he came, he came to Italy. He came back from his travels. The famous Italian explorer Marco Polo. I mean, this is probably an apocryphal story, but whatever. We'll tell it because it's cute. Because we don't have a better answer, so yeah. Uh, and he was like, "Oh my goodness, I have tasted amazing cold desserts in Asia." And it says it says here that he's that this starts the Renaissance too, which I'm like, okay, we're getting a little carried away here. But well, on our Renaissance episode two weeks ago, we did talk about how right they were importing textiles and from Europe and importing dyes from the East, and I guess the desserts came along with the dyes and. Catherine Medici loved ice cream. Oh, so Marco Polo told the Medici family about it. Yeah, he was like, here you go. And and Catherine Medici, famous patron of the ice creams. Mm -hmm. So in 1533, she married Henry II of France and brought a number of Italian chefs with her when she like moved into his household. And they introduced ice cream to the French. Uh, but still still just the province of royalty because it's still extremely difficult to get ice. Exactly. At this point. You have to, basically in the winter, you cut large blocks of it and then you create, you store it underground in like a pit covered with straw. The ice house. Or, the house of ice. Or in a house, in an ice house. You know, it's it's still tough to keep it, to keep it lasting like six months or whatever. So by fall, probably all your ice is melted. There's also an ice cream related death. Not from food poisoning, but from telling secrets so 1649 this is uh actually the same year that charles the first dies charles the first of england who was like right overthrown by the puritans yeah he was beheaded shortly after his famous ice cream recipe started circulating in the public 
The chef was beheaded. Oh, his chef. His chef. Yeah. Yes. Charles I didn't want the commoners to have ice cream. So That's he right. made his chef swear to secrecy that he would he would keep the recipe a secret. And then suddenly he saw it. He heard it running wild in the streets. People were like, ice cream. So he's like, you've betrayed my trust. And then we have a Sicilian named Francisco Procipo de Coletti. <laughs> And he opened, he opened the first cafe called Il Pres. Uh, what is it? Il Procope. Procope. So it was like a meeting place for Napoleon, um, and it, and Napoleon? Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. So yeah, and Napoleon. Victor Hugo. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the a cafe of the intelligentsia, where they also served ice cream, which is very. It seems very cute. And he became the father of gelato. Yeah. So gelato first, it's the Italian version of sorbet, but it actually got popularized in France. Yes. In the, the late 1600s. And they served it in cute little bowls resembling egg cups, so these tiny little servings, which is why gelato comes in like tiny little bowls e even today. And you get a tiny little little shovel to eat it with. Yeah, do you know the difference between gelato and ice cream? So I feel like gelato has eggs and like more fruit and less milk i feel like that's the difference i'm look what do you, do you know what it is i'm looking it up that's a it's okay. a slightly different mix of ingredients it's the same basic ingredients but different quantities of it because ice cream can be made with eggs and often is uh so slightly different mix of ingredients and there's a lot less air in gelato and as we'll talk about later the air content which is called overrun I don't know why it's called that, but the air con is very important for like uh, the quality of your ice cream. And it's like a big debate and it's uh, a regulated thing in the ice cream industry, how much air is mixed into your ice cream. But that's a crucial aspect of why ice cream is sort of fluffy and has its like silky texture or whatever, why it's not hard. Even well, it's frozen because there's so much air in it. It's actually like a foam. Well, actually, that's, we'll get into like soft serve is more that. But like the heavier your ice cream is, the more like high quality it is. Like it, like you're comparing like vanilla and vanilla. You can't you can't be like oh like chunky monkey and like vanilla. But like that means it's like more dense and people could like charge more yes. for it. To be considered ultra premium ice cream, you have to have less than fifty percent overrun in your ice cream. Whereas Ooh. typical generic ice cream has one hundred percent overrun. By one hundred percent overrun, I mean half of the volume of the thing is air. Yeah. Okay. And really quality ice cream. And there was an epidemic, which we'll get to later, of very cheap ice cream, which had like huge amounts of air packed into it. Okay, but back to history, though. This is before they had figured out over or what was going on back in the 1600s. <laughs> they had no idea. It was the Enlightenment, but they, had stood, they were still in the dark about ice cream. Mm -hmm. Well, they were just like, you know, the printing press had recently come about. So they're still figuring stuff out. So what, who is it? Antonio Latini in 1692 wrote down the first recipe for sorbetto and he uh he created a milk-based sorbet so he started the food poisoning epidemic i guess because that because you don't you know you don't cook yeah so there's debates about right we talked about if there's a milk-based sorbet there that's also considered the first official ice cream but as we said the like persians also had a milk-based with like sugar uh dessert too so but they didn't, write that, they didn't write it down. They didn't, they, they didn't trademark. They probably did. 
But they just made the T. They were like trademark, trademark, trademark. They just said it. Yeah. So then the Scottish brought ice cream to North America in 1744. Really? Okay, cool. Before the Declaration of Independence w- was even signed, before the American Revolution, early Americans had ice cream. Yeah, and then the first recorded sales of ice cream in America are in 1774. So two years before the the revolution, uh, American caterer Philip Lindsay uh, returned from London to New York and started selling ice cream. And his ice creams were mostly like jammy. Yeah, they had the ice ice houses going on. They they now had like ice was routinely available, like year round. But they perfected ice house technology. You had to like, usually you had to just like mash up the ice with the jam you just had to like mash it and that could take like hours and hours to to get it good and then you had to eat it right away because it was going to melt because they didn't have refrigerators yeah so some of those those early recipes we're talking about like the sorbetto recipe didn't necessarily involve actually mixing which gives you like the air introduced into it and gives it like a creamy texture a lot of those early recipes just they were called like water ice to make iced cream and they would just, it's just like how to freeze cream. And mm-hmm. it would just be like, take a pot, put like cream and sugar into it, seal it, and put it in a mix of ice with salt. And Why? Leave, it, leave it there for a couple hours. Why do you mix salt with ice? Oh, you don't, yeah, that actually was not discovered yet, the salt part. But why would you? It's, it's, a, I found one of those recipes from like the 1600s. Really? Yeah, where they'd figured it out. The physics reason why that works is because salt water or any water that contains salt has a lower freezing point. So it can it can be like, you know, negative 10 degrees Celsius, but still a liquid. So the key there is when you take ice and you add salt to it, it melts some of the ice into water it bec- and the salt mixes in, it becomes salt water. And that has much better thermal transfer to like the mixture of cream inside of it. So it makes it colder faster. Yeah, it gets it actually below freezing. That's very cool. So ice, ice itself can be like well below freezing. It's just a solid form of water that can be super cold, but it won't make good thermal contact with like the pot that contains the stuff. So have you ever tried to cool a drink down in the freezer quickly? Do you know this trick? If you put it like, if you wrap it in like a- A wet paper towel. A wet paper towel because the, the heat transfer is much better from the wet paper towel because it like nice and tightly wraps your soda. Mm. Or you can like- kind of wrap a bag of like frozen vegetables around it and even that gives much better transfer than just the air that's in your freezer mm-hmm. so that's why there's they mix salt in with the mm. ice and the same principle when you put salt on the roads the idea is that is as long as it doesn't get too cold the snow or whatever like won't form ice it'll just turn into salt water even if it's below freezing outside oh wow that's cool george washington the founding fathers loved ice cream how do we know this? What did he have? In, on his Mount Vernon estate, he had ice pots to create ice cream. But back then, it was a little more liquidy. And he, carrying in the age-old tradition of presidents spending the national budget on personal items, he spent the equivalent of $20,000 on materials for his ice cream addiction. In a single summer. Not like over the course of his presidency. So so following in the tradition of presidents with ice cream, there's a Dolly Madison, James Madison's wife, also loved ice cream. 
She liked really weird flavors. I was reading like she liked oyster and uh gras. I can't say that word. That sounds disgusting. Yeah, that sounds bad. It's like a fatty liver pate. That sounds really bad. But she was like she knew that like other people probably wouldn't like that kind of stuff. So at the inaugural ball, she was like, "We'll just do strawberry." I mean, even then, this is a time when they thought tomatoes were poisonous. So, like, they're, they're still they're still figuring out what's edible and what's not. I mean, the gag of it all is that ice cream is po- a little bit poisonous. <laughs> yes, this is true even today. That ice cream is is very susceptible to bacterial spoilage, and same with soft serve. And that, like, quality control is still a big issue because. You don't cook it necessarily. I guess nowadays you can use pasteurized milk. They didn't have pasteurized milk, so you could get a lot of a lot of diseases from the ice cream. Also, people like didn't wash their hands. They washed their hands like once a week, maybe. There's a big innovation that happens around this time. The artificial freezer. Nancy Johnson, the first hand cranked portable freezer she called it the artificial freezer it's really just an ice cream machine like the description like in the patent when you look at it it's like you can buy this for your house it's and it's just called like a homemade like ice cream making kit or whatever where you have like the two cylinders and a crank and you like pack the outer cylinder with uh ice and salt and then you like turn this crank to stir this mixture of cream and sugar to create ice cream she also had this divider that you could put in it so you could make two different flavors at once. Get that swirl. Yes. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, it had yeah, it just like it was very good at churning the ice cream so you could stir it as it cooled down, which is very good to introduce air into it. So that's like with with her development, that was probably like the first ever like actual fluffy people started eating what we would consider modern ice cream and not sort of a soupy cold milk or a rock hard like frozen cream thing that's when like ice cream got creamy okay so now ice cream is like well understood people are making it all over the place so now there's all these uh entrepreneurs move into the ice cream world yes we have carlo Gotti, and he invents the penny licks which are it's just like one little scoop it's put into a little glass, like a little shot glass, and then you lick it and you hand it back. And this... <laughs> you want one penny? You lick? You, you lick, you hand back. This gives people a lot, a lot of, like, food poisonings. <laughs> a lot. Because these are little glass-like things and everyone's licking. And it's in, like, a, it's a street vendor. He was kind of, like, the first, like, good humor man. Yeah, he was a Swiss immigre, which I like. But he was he set up outside Charing Cross Station because he was smart. Yeah, he's like, Here's, let's catch these Londoners on their commute and kill them <laughs> with this delicious treat. Yeah, around the same time, uh, this American entrepreneur Jacob Fussell, uh was I like his Jacob Jacob Fussell in his biography is listed as a milk dealer. <laughs> 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 so because I guess milk demand was seasonable or variable, he would like, you know, he's like, he would have a supply of milk and he like needs to do something. And maybe there are like not enough people buy milk in a given week. He has a trench coat. So he said he built an ice cream factory so that it, like when he had extra cream, he could like 
turned it into ice cream because I guess it like wouldn't keep for very long. Uh, so he he made the ice cream in Pennsylvania and would ship it to Baltimore by train. So he needed like refrigerated train cars. So he's now like shipping ice cream overland in bulk. And we're still in the era before like mechanical refrigeration. People are still using large blocks of ice to do all of this stuff, which is like pretty impressive. They're just managing their giant blocks of ice to like make their ice cream or whatever else. Um, the baked Alaska was invented in 1867. Exciting. Known as the, also known as the bomb Alaska. The bomb Alaska is a baked Alaska, but you pour rum on it and set it on fire. You flambe, <gasps> you flambe as an extra step. That's and, a really extra step and, with like two X's and two A's. It's an, yeah, as a, as a further insult to God and nature, you uh, set it on fire while still not melting the ice cream in it. Have you had a baked Alaska before? No. I bet you've never ordered one. No. Do you know what it is? No. It's a a dessert where you take a, you have like a pie tin, you fill it with ice cream surrounded by sponge cake, and then you put a layer of meringue on top, which is like whipped uh, egg whites. And then you put it in under like a broiler for like one, two seconds, very quickly, very briefly, you put it under a boiler. It's like creme brulee. So it, it uh, browns the meringue but the ice cream stays frozen underneath. And so then you serve it. And so you get this like a uh, crispy meringue that as you like cut into it, you have ice cream inside. You call it a volcano. Not, it, that sounds like a volcano or like tectonic plate. What, why, what's, what's Alaskan about that? I'll tell you. Uh, it was, so it was invented in, in 1867 in New Orleans, uh, supposedly to celebrate the United States, um, where is it? Antoine's was a restaurant that invented it by Antoine Alciatore to honor Another the Italian. acquisition of Alaska from the Russian Empire in 1867. Mm-hmm. So I guess to celebrate. And he also was honoring, I guess it was like, had just recently been discovered some chemist figured out that egg whites don't conduct heat very well. They're like a really good insulator. So like meringue or whatever, is like the heat from the oven doesn't get to the ice cream. The meringue is like, I guess because it's so foamy, is really good at protecting the ice cream. So it's a cool like little scientific dessert when you have a baked Alaska. Mm. I don't like meringue that much. I would rather just have regular ice cream, but they're pretty good. I I wonder if he told people, he was like, yo, have a bite of this. Yeah, so it's already, you've already browned the meringue. So then the bomb Alaska is you then pour rum on it and set the rum on fire and again, the ice cream is protected because of your meringue. Somebody later in the 1960s invented something called a frozen Florida, which is a reverse baked Alaska. Using microwave cooking, it's a ball of ice cream, and the inside is like hot fudge or some like molten like liquid or whatever, because you, somehow using microwaves, they can cook the inside of the thing while keeping the ice cream frozen on the outside. Hmm. It's really dumb. Yeah, so the Baked Alaska has already been invented, and then industrial refrigeration is invented by German engineer Carl von Lind in the I feel 1870s. like he did other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Von Lind came up with all sorts of cool engineering stuff. It took him a while to actually... He invented, like, commercial refrigeration. To get an actual, like, good continuous-running freezer was later. was in the 1920s. But it, it meant that, like, commercial mass production of ice cream was now possible. You didn't have to keep shipping ice blocks around. Oh, we skipped over him, I think. But uh, I was going to say, one of, like, 
that buying and selling of ice before refrigeration was like a global business. So you've heard of like Tudor style houses? Yeah. So Tudor was like an American businessman. Yeah, the Tudor family. Yeah, they were the ice kings of the Northeast. (laughs) Nice. Their fortune came from like... From ice, cold ice. They would cut ice in like New Hampshire, like in the Northeast, like during the winter and then ship it around the world. And they got like very good at it. Yeah, so, so when you hear about like, yeah, Tudor style is because of the wealthy Tudor family from ice. And I was like, what a cheap product, right? It's free. <laughs> you can just go outside and get it. So we talked about Henny Licks, and now there's An- another there's immigrant. The street Hokey Henry. Pokey, which it's basically like a very terrible like mis mispronunciation of like Uchi Uchi, which I think means very cheap, mm. and it's kind of like a Neapolitan wrapped in wax paper, so kind of like an Italian ice cream sandwich without the sandwich that's just like wrapped in wax paper and they would the vendors would shout like uchi pookie which means very cheap very cheap like Mm. you know but this was actually is cleaner than the penny licks you can still get those like you You can can, still get uh the the wrapped little block of neapolitan ice cream yeah and like in wax paper that you eat you have to eat it super fast to get an ice cream headache because otherwise it will melt and get all over your hands. You know why you have an ice cream headache? No, why? Because there's a nerve that like goes to your brain that gets messed up. It's on the roof of your mouth, yeah. I think. Yeah, so if you put your tongue up there, it will help to like warm the area up to like prevent the ice cream headache. Oh, I just started screaming uncontrollably <laughs> in the middle of 31 flavors. But that sounds like a better, better way to do it. That's why it's called ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ice cream. Ice cream. Are we going to talk about the ice cream soda? Because you invented the soda. Because you're you're dressed as a soda jerk. The jerks. Yeah. Invented at the Franklin Institute's semi-centennial celebration in 1874. By Robert McKay Green. Yeah. So he wanted to... Oh, he, there was a, fa- a larger, fancier soda fountain down the street. So he had to come up with some something new. Uh, and so he was like, I'll add ice cream to my soda fountain drinks. That's great. So it was ice cream, soda water. I've never enjoyed and Have you had like a root beer float? I d- I've never liked them. Didn't I? I made, what did I make for you? Oh, I made you an egg cream. <laughs> Remember? Yes, you made me an egg cream, which I also was like, this isn't as good as a milkshake. Yeah. It's good. It's fine. But like, why Famously is- no eggs. <laughs> Famously no eggs and egg cream. Yeah. That's not in our history because it's not ice cream, but- that's a unique New York staple. Yeah. You're getting egg creams all the time as a kid. My dad really liked them from the the place that's like right next to Gem Spa mm-hmm. in the East Village. Yeah, that candy shop. It's it's like a it's like a bodega, and they like they like put it in like a used Dixie cup from like the '80s, and they're like it's the best in New York. But yeah, who's who's keeping track? Yeah, so this is the. 1874 is the term soda jerk starts getting used. They were the mixologists of their day, inventing treats to excite customers. So soda jerks invented uh, malted milks, which is just adding malt, I guess, to your milkshake, banana splits, and phosphates. Mm? Okay. That's like a thing. (laughs) I don't know what it tastes like. Uh, But they were were, soda fountains were the equivalent of today's Starbucks. But were they mean? They would they spell your name wrong on your were they jerks? Your order. 
They weren't jerk wasn't a derogatory term. Oh. It was used because they would they would jerk the lever for the seltzer machine. Oh wow. When making the soda. That's funny. They would spell your name wrong. Then someone came in and they were like they were like TikTok hack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How to make a pumpkin spice soda jerk. First, add two pumps. <laughs> well, they didn't have the Right, this is before electrification too. So you're just running like there's no like machine making your like drink and adding the syrup or whatever. That has to all be done by hand. They're just pulling one lever on like there's the one carbonated water like tap. Oh, and seltzer. Okay. That that gives you seltzer, and then they have to add everything else to it. They must have had really really nice forearms. <laughs> They'd be jerking it all day. Yeah, exactly. And they had it. They dressed real sharp like me. You they really, they were, they were, bow? they were baristas. Yeah, they're non-alcoholic bartenders, I guess. And then uh, another woman entrepreneur enters into our story in 1891. Agnes Marshall, who was regarded as the queen of ices in England, uh, popularized a bunch of at-home ice cream recipes and turned it into a fashionable middle-class pursuit. <laughs> Consuming ice cream is not a middle-class pursuit, but sure. Uh, so she wrote a number of cookbooks. So the Book of Ices. The bo- Mrs. A.B. Marshall's Book of Cookery, Mrs. A.B. Marshall's larger cookery book of extra recipes, and then Fancy Ices in 1894. This is original Harry Potter. Yeah. The original J.K. Rowling Fancy Ices. The Goblet of Ice. Uh, Gave public lectures on cooking, and she suggested using liquid nitrogen to make ice cream. That's wild that she she knew that she's like, I I get it, my dentist. Was not readily available at the time, but... I guess it had been invented. Maybe she she you can dream. She was like molecular gastronomy one hundred and one. By the way, I've I've had liquid nitrogen ice cream. The ice cream of the, the true Is that ice like cream dots? of the future. No. Oh, okay. Dippin' dots are just ice cream in pellet form. That's all. That's all. That's all it is. What is nitrogen nitrite? Is it nitrous? Liquid nitrogen ice cream. You don't need ice and liquid nitrogen. Like it just evaporates into nitrogen, right? Once okay, but what up. does it do? What the ice cream do look like? So liquid nitrogen is just a is super cold. It's like negative seventy Celsius. It's dry ice, basically, right? Isn't it? No. Yeah, you could consider it like the liquid form of dry ice, okay, and okay. it sublimates into a gas. Um, like so a you you can just you can just pour that in with milk and sugar and just mix it, and the liquid nitrogen will evaporate out of the mix, and you're just left with ice cream but you don't need any ice or stirring. And it happens like within 30 seconds as you're like mixing it because the liquid nitrogen is super so cold. Did it taste any different? Is it different? It didn't work as well as actual ice cream. It had a lot of ice crystals in it. Oh, you made this in the lab. Okay. Yeah. In my, in my uh, physics is... lab because we had <laughs> we had like a liquid nitrogen like machine you could go to like down the hall to like get liquid <laughs> nitrogen to like fill up a container. Hear that, Stanford? <laughs> That's what we were doing. <laughs> You should pay your, your grad students more and they won't make ice cream with your equipment. <laughs> That's fine. You You're get, like, we also made it out of gold. You get liquid nitrogen for free. It comes from the air, so it's fine. That's how you justified it when you needed to order more for your lab. No, they had a big machine that would make it. It was just cooling down, cooling down air and like pulling the nitrogen out of it. So let's get back to the story of ice, ice oh, cream. Yeah. We're now so, in the 1900s. In the 1900s, women would get arrested if they went places without men like restaurants and stuff like that. So they started making these sort of like stand-up little places called ice cream parlors, and they were very like pastel, like Barbie vibes. 
and they were it was like oh no no no, this isn't a restaurant it's not it's like a new type of vibe so the the laws don't apply to it so that's that's kind of why like ice cream ice cream parlors are kind of like a a girly a girly thing and they're all like pastel and stuff like that Mm. the place for the ladies to go and then everything changes at the world's fair in 1904 what happened this was the only ice cream story I knew before we like started reading up for this podcast. Okay, so there's a Syrian Lebanese concessionaire named Arnold Borna Bornachow. Bornachow, and he, he was running an ice cream booth. It says that he ran short on paper cups, but I believe that it was a lot of like glass glassware and stuff like that and he had to like wash out the the things. Possibly. Not if he's run like a booth at a fair. Paper cups make sense. All right. So he ran, he was running out of cups and it was like super, super, super hot there. And then there was this waffle vendor named Ernest Hamwe. And he was like, I am not selling any waffles because they're too hot. But he was like, I'll, he he like, he (laughs) ran over to the ice cream. I really thought it would be waffle weather today, but. It's summer, and we're at the World's Fair, and nobody wants a waffle. In St. Louis. They keep they keep eating ice cream. He also had, like, waffle uh, thermal underwear on. You know, he was he had a whole theme going. Wasn't working out. But so he saw the trouble, like, that, that was happening over at the ice cream booth, and he was like, I can help, you know. So he sold Fornichow some of his waffles. Fornichow rolled the waffles into cones to hold the ice cream. And there's a lot of dispute about this, but we choose to believe that, that this, this was the invention happened. of the ice cream cone. Yeah. I, it's it's one of those, like, oops all berries stories, you know, like, they're like, the cone truck crashed into the ice cream truck, and oops, you got mm-hmm. cone cone creams. Yeah, because I can't imagine holding, like, a floppy Belgian waffle. He must have, he was like, what if I make the... Maybe that's it. He was selling extra crispy waffles and they were he really was, dry and nobody wanted them. They were, he was selling this like dessert sort of thing. It was like a, I think a stoop, a stoop a and waffle. And waffle. Yeah. So they yeah, were like really okay. thin, like crackery waffle things. Those are delicious, stroop and waffles. And then he was like, he was like, screw filling this with jam. I'll just give, give it to this dude. Yeah. He put a little chocolate filling in the stroop and waffle. Oh, but also. Around this time, because of the cones, they're putting boric acid. Like when street vendors start, you know, the street vendors are like, okay, penny licks have been va- banned because it's too much diphtheria germs. But in order to make the cones like fluffier or crispier or something, they put they put boric acid in them, which also causes problems. So there's they're like your cones can only have like two percent of boric acid. <laughs> Any more than that is unacceptable. Is it like a regular food additive? Or like it shouldn't be. I mean, it's okay. not going to kill you. No, it'll make you pretty sick. I mean, it's also a medic, I believe. Like just boric acid in general. So yeah, not good. I'm just saying you can put like citric acid and stuff. That's fine, right? You can put acetic acid as vinegar. That's in yeah, pickles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pesticide. Okay. okay. It's a pesticide. All it's right. not good. Not maybe, good. Maybe don't put it in your don't ice cream it. cone then. So um, Unless you're a bug. Then the first ice cream truck is credited to Harry Burt of Youngstown, Ohio, Youngstown, Ohio, who created the Good Humor brand. Oh, yeah. But before that, we should talk Carvel. I got a different date for when oh, Carvel okay. invented soft right. serve, actually, okay. and what this no, timeline no has. Worries. So we'll get to him a little later. 
Okay. So good humor. He invented the uh, the idea of covering the the ice cream with a chocolate coating. The ice cream sucker, he mm-hmm. called it. Uh, and because it came on like a popsicle stick, it was it's easy to eat. It was easy and clean to eat, which I've seen. I, I beg to differ. Like, just look at children. Exhibit children. Well, they don't know enough to hold it only by the stick. They're like getting it all in their hands and stuff. And they they really take their time. Yeah, they don't eat it fast enough. Um, we talked about the freezer. First continuous and commercially viable freezers perfected in 1926. Uh, and then that same year. See, so some people said Carvel invents soft serve. I have, I found that Charles Taylor of Buffalo, New York, patented the first soft serve ice cream machine in 1926. Okay. And his, apparently the Taylor company started by Charles Taylor continues to make the McDonald's ice cream machine, which they're broken all the time. The McFlurry machine is constantly (laughs) broken. Uh, They don't work. Uh, So I don't know. Charles Taylor, your legacy has been tarnished. And then uh, 1929, some of the very popular ice cream parlors that you know of today were created, Edie's and Baskin-Robbins. And this is when people get real creative with ice cream flavors. Edie's and Baskin-Robbins rediscover the idea of crazy ice cream flavors. Oh, yeah. I heard. So what, they come up with milk chocolate ice cream with marshmallows. What is it? Like a, it's like a hot chocolate, cold hot chocolate ice cream flavor. Yeah, Joseph Edie and William Dreyer, and Dreyer's is still like an ice cream brand, and Edie's is still oh, like an ice cream they brand broke that up. you can buy today. I guess they split up. Yeah. How sad. But they invented Rocky Road. I also heard that that was a, a wartime, you know, they're like the Depression wartime. I guess 29 was like the height of the height of the, tw- the Roaring Twenties, the, ro- the start of the Depression. At the start of the Depression, they were like, you having a Rocky Road kind of day? Why don't you... <laughs> Why don't you eat this ice cream that reflects how you feel inside? I like that miniature marshmallows didn't exist yet, so they would cut them by hand. (gasps) How cute. Yeah. Chop, chop. And then Edie's invented cookies and cream way later in 1982. After they got divorced, she's like. (laughs) But yeah, or one of her great-grandchildren, for example. Her lovers. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Edie is a woman's first name. I think it's somebody's last name. Oh, okay. Just, His love. <laughs> uh, Joseph Edie was the guy's name. And then uh, in the 1930s, uh, Howard Johnson's, like they were the most famous American like hotel restaurant chain and now they've pretty much all disappeared. <gasps> but in the heyday of like the America, Americana, like 50s and 60s, like Howard Johnson's was like the McDonald's of hotels and roadside restaurants. But at the time, in the 30s, they had... 29 flavors and so brothers-in-law Bert Baskin and Irvin Robbins were like let's let's add two more flavors (laughs) so Baskin Robbins came up with 31 flavors one for every day of the month maybe it was one of the original like they started both as like a retail store and selling to grocery stores and like local drug stores Uh, we're selling their ice cream everywhere and then I have I have Carvel, his business taking off. You you had nineteen nineteen, but I I see it as it was Memorial Day weekend of nineteen thirty four mm. when soft serve was invented. Maybe he had already like invented the machine, but that he was like today is the day that I've been waiting for. That would make sense if he like in nineteen nineteen he invents a way to do soft serve, which is a 
an ice cream where you you churn it and mix it like right at the point of service like from a machine adding like so you can add more overrun more air to it and make it even fluffier and lighter and like more consistent i guess so then anyway apparently this story is great because memorial day weekend of 1934 so he apparently was driving uh he had already founded the carvel brand and was driving his ice cream truck but i guess soft serve hadn't caught on yet um so he he got a flat tire in his ice cream truck. So he pulled into a parking lot and began selling his melting ice cream to vacationers driving by. And I guess it went so well the first day, he just came back the second day, or maybe he just couldn't get the flat fixed and he slept in the truck. I don't know. But the story goes, within two days, he had sold his entire supply of ice cream and concluded that both a fixed location and soft as opposed to hard frozen desserts were potentially good business ideas. So in 1936, he opened his first store on the original broken-down truck site, which I think is great. He went back to the parking lot he had pulled into, and he developed a secret soft-serve ice cream formula, and he patented super low-temperature ice cream machines. So soft-serve machines work as you can buy kind of a premix or a powder that you add water to, and they keep the whole thing at 3 degrees Celsius, and then right when you, like, pull the... And it's, like, in the chamber, like, ready to go... (laughs) And as you pull the lever, it like injects air and swirls it like a final step, and then it comes out of the machine. However, Dairy Queen claims that they invented soft serve. They're like, we're the queen of dairy. How dare you? I think they're lying because, yeah, the whole (laughs) Dairy Queen origin story is that we invented soft serve in 1938. (gasps) But I'm pretty sure Tom Carvel invented it four years earlier. I need to see the receipts. Yeah. So J.F. McCullough and his son Alex. Oh. Okay. developed a soft serve formula in 1938. And they did an experiment in Kankakee, Illinois, uh, August 4th, 1938, uh, at their friend's store. And they did an all-you-can-eat trial sale, where I guess it would just be like, show up, give us five cents. You have as much as you can just put your face directly under our soft serve machine. They <laughs> uh, <laughs> did an all-you-can-eat sale. Uh, and they sold apparently 1,600 servings within two hours. So that's a serving every 4.5 seconds. So I think they just must have had the machine on nonstop and let people like <laughs> stick whatever what vessel What did they find out? What was this, an experiment? What, they call it an ex- <laughs> All-you-can-eat trial sale. I guess they were like, we have an idea for soft serve. And I don't know. Did, did the experiment, was it a successful? I don't get, what was the control? Did they have a control? <laughs> They're like, no one will let us sell it. We don't know. But Sherb, our buddy Sherb Noble, who runs this store, is going to let us go set up a software machine. This, <laughs> was also the founding of like facial abuse. I love you're, you're like, this is the dumbest experiment I've ever heard. Yeah, it's very, it's something you would do in Imagine how many people Illinois. got ice cream headaches that day if they're serving like. On, yeah, to the face. A, a serving every face. four and a half seconds. What, were they taking note? They're like, yes, very interesting. Well, they they were like, okay, we can start our, surely we can now start our own restaurant if we just follow this formula. And then Dairy Queen was born. Okay, and then it's then it's wartime. Again. Now we're into the 19, 1940s. Ice cream is rationed, except the troops have a ton of it because it's a morale booster. And people had just become like super addicted to it because, you know, the, the prohibition... They were like, I need to put something in my mouth to kill this pain. So, like, that happened. 
Then the depression, they're like, again, same story. And the whole like soda jerk, soda fountain culture really was much like today's like cafe Starbucks culture, or I guess it was more of a 90s thing. But uh, it's like Kava Sutra. Cafe culture was like, you really would. You like in all these old timey movies, there's people meeting at like the, you know, their local diner with there's like a soda jerk. So they, the Allied troops brought and I guess imported a bunch of ice cream for the troops. And apparently a lot of like, according to the claim in this article, is the majority of the world thought, thought of ice cream as an American invention. I guess because the Americans just all had it all the time. I mean, the Italians are probably like, we've, we've so many other <laughs> things. Like we don't really, it's, it's, it's okay. Maybe, but you think the Italians would be like, yeah, Marco Polo came up with this 700 years ago. And China was it. like... And China was like, hey, 1,500 years ago. Yeah. They're like, we had metal pipes. <laughs> yeah. So there's a, a common myth, which I didn't know, but I guess a lot of British people know this, that Margaret Thatcher apparently worked as a food chemist before she became, long before she became the UK prime minister, and that she had like worked on... Mr. Softy. She, yeah, the true story is that she just did a tiny, tiny experiment on Overrun. Yeah. That was like her pretty much everything, you know? Okay. And then there is also this World War II anecdote. American fighter pilots in the South Pacific, when they're going on all these, uh, I guess, bombing runs over various like Japanese islands and like uh, outlying territories, they would uh, attach a a standard issue five gallon can to their plane wing, which was fitted with a small propeller that would turn a stir inside the can, and so they would fill it with like sugar and milk or sugar and cream, and make ice cream while they were doing their bombing run. <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. And apparently, B B seventeen crews in Europe did something similar on their bombing runs. So that is very cute. Okay, so now we're into the fifties and like supermarket, like mass consumerism culture. This is when the ice cream wars take off. They start. They start. Yeah, the the regular wars start to die <laughs> the down. World wars the end. ice cream wars. The cold, the original Cold War begins. <laughs> so this is when we have really cheap ice creams. There's artificial flavorings, fillers, low percentages of butter fat, and large percentages of air. So a lot of yep. overruns, so just like soft serve in a container. Up to 100% overrun. This is cheap. You what can is, still that, get... That doesn't even make sense. They're like, it's air. Like, how... 100% of... I guess it's the percentage, compared to the percentage of the volume of, like, solid ingredients to air. So, it's so 100% overrun means half the volume is air. Okay, okay. Yeah, so there you can still like get it if you go to like a deli or like large supermarket. Like they'll have like the generic brand super cheap ice cream, and you can tell you just pick up a carton of it, and it's lighter than like a Haagen Dazs or like a Ben and Jerry's uh, because it's half of it is air. Yeah, it's always it's like high fructose corn syrup instead of actual jello. sugar. It's really just jello. It's some kind of like cornstarch or something. It's not necessarily like actual like milk and butter fat in it. It's like gum. soy, soybean oil. Soy lechen. Yeah. Okay, so there's Ruben Mattis of the Bronx. He's from the Bronx. He said. The boogie down Bronx. Uh, and he was like, I have to do better. I have to do better. This ice cream sucks. 
he wanted he was like I could do like a gourmet ice cream. So he was like I'm going to do 12% butterfat instead of the standard 10 and 40% overrun. Mm-hmm. And he was like but what to call it? And his wife was like why don't you just call it something that sounds Danish cuz that's like cla- it's it, it, she's like you know like IKEA or whatever. <laughs> So he just picked Hagen Daz, which is just a totally random thing. And he was like, there needs to be umlauts, which is hilarious because they don't have those. Oh, yeah. The Danes don't actually use no. umlauts. Yeah. So it's just a totally made up word. And it's an American brand from the Bronx. Can you imagine if you told Petey that like Hagen Daz is was like, yeah, is based in the Bronx, was founded in the Bronx? Right. You would it's not believe wild. It. But it is it is still regarded as a super premium ice cream. And he sold it for 75 cents a pint in gourmet shops, which is three times the price of regular supermarket pints. Yes. And there are three flavors, chocolate, vanilla, and coffee. And they were an instant hit. Yeah, people wanted that premium. That, that good, premium good. Cream. Yeah. <laughs> the Mr. Mr. Softy. This is for the suburbs, basically. Right. Now that like car culture has taken off and everyone's moving out to the suburbs in the 60s. Uh, yeah, two brothers in Philadelphia founded Mr. Softy, where they developed a soft serve machine built specifically for a truck. Yes. So Good Humor also still had a fleet of trucks. Apparently, they sold their fleet in the 1970s. So like now it's all owned by like New York City ice cream trucks are almost all. There's Mr. Softy, and then there's a bunch of independent operators. You drove an ice cream truck. I did. Back to where it was invented, right? Persia. I drove an ice cream truck through Persia, trying to get, yeah, all the way to Mongolia, so near China. Okay, we've talked about most of the brands, except for Ben and Jerry's. So Ben and Jerry, (laughs) that's the real names. No relation. So they were friends with the Grateful Dead? Well, okay, whoa, whoa, this, like, that comes way later. Oh, I thought they started as like hippies. They they did. They started as fat kids, actually. Okay. They started as fat kids, and that's they were friends in school because they were fat and they couldn't do gym, and they hung out. And I think, oh god, which one? Hang on. There was one of them who was like went to med school and stuff like that, but he didn't. It didn't work out. Like neither of them. It it didn't work out for either either of their careers. And they were like, let's get together and like make food. Let's cook. So they were going to open a bagel shop and they were like, oh my God, the equipment to make bagels is so expensive. So they were like, we'll just do like an ice cream store instead. And they took, I think, like a $5 course at the universe, at like Penn State. They had an ice cream course, little elective course. And they took it and they're like, okay, we're ready. Let's do this. Nice. It makes sense, though, because they're right Burlington, Vermont's where they're from. And no, Vermont... they're from New York. They opened it in really? Burlington. Yeah, they opened it in Burlington, Vermont, because they were like, okay, every college town has ice cream store. Okay, that's great. But every warm place already is good. Like, they already have ice cream, and we can't compete with them. So they were like, Vermont, it's kind of cold. So there's no ice cream store in that college town. <laughs> Burlington, Vermont did not have an ice cream yeah. store. They were like, we will make it oh, our I own. Oh, I always assumed they were from Vermont. No, they're from like upstate That's New York. That's funny. Because yeah. they, 
they brag like on the pint or whatever. It's like right made with milk from Vermont cows. Yes, because they're they're local. And in my head, I very much associate. I'm like, yeah, Vermont must have tons of dairy farms and like beautiful green pastures or whatever. I have been to Vermont like passing through, you know, three times. I don't remember what it looks like. Is it like rolling green hills? It's a lot of skiing, actually. It's a lot of skiing. Well, sure, in the winter, but those slopes are probably very verdant and green and have like they're good for cows during the summer. Yeah. All right, so they invented, they took flavors, ice cream flavors, to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. So that was because uh, one of them had a disorder where he, like, didn't have good taste. He couldn't taste very well. So he depended on mouthfeel to, like... <laughs> he had bad taste. Yeah, he had bad taste. He, he loved to eat. things well. He couldn't okay. taste, yeah. So he, he liked mouthfeel. So he wanted to put stuff in the ice cream. Yes. Thus, chocolate chip cookie dough they invented. Cherry Garcia. They get in a fight with um. They get in a fight with Hagen Dazs because oh they start they move on from their like little store. They start doing like a factory vibe. They kind of like get in trouble with money. There's all this stuff. They get in a fight with Hagen Dazs because Hagen Dazs is like, we're gonna take our stuff off of delivery trucks if they carry your stuff to the supermarket. And at this time, haagen was owned by Pillsbury. So this didn't just mean ice cream. This meant like bread, like pretty much everything. Pillsbury tried to use their monopoly power to force the upstart Ben & Jerry's out of the ice cream delivery business. Yes. By insisting on exclusive contracts. Exactly. And so Ben & Jerry got this lawyer they picked their lawyer because he didn't he had like a hole in his shoe and they were like that's the kind of guy that should represent us <laughs> real okay. hippie and the, and the lawyer was like okay pillsbury slash haagen you got to hold off on the lawsuit for like a hot minute because it was over fourth of july weekend they were like just just don't monopolize just yet until we reach like an agreement he of got, what's going on he said he got a like an, an injunction or a restraining yes. order or something <clears throat> so like yeah but this didn't say anything about what Ben and Jerry could do. So they started this grassroots campaign <laughs> to build consumer awareness. And they were like, we're just two guys. We're just two guys with flip with Birkenstocks and tie-dye. They still have their story on every pint. On the, yeah, in their and picture, you see them. And they were giving out the free scoops. They were like, taste the ice cream. It's delicious. And we're hippies. Eat the ice cream. Yeah, local. We love local stuff. And then this is they really built like a a camaraderie with the consumer. And so people were like, I have suggestions. You know, they were like, fuck you, Hagen dazs but also suggestions on flavors. And that's when the and this there was this lady who was like, Hey, you should do a flavor that's called Cherry Garcia. So they did, and then there was also like a mini lawsuit with the lawyers of Grateful Dead. Oh, they didn't get permission before doing well, Cherry apparently, Garcia? Well, apparently Jerry Garcia was just like stoned and he was like, totally, dude, sounds great, delicious. But then the lawyer who like wasn't stoned was wanted, like, wanted we, we need royalties, royalties for this. Yeah. But they, you know, it worked out. I think a lot of the proceeds go to charity too. Well, that was, that sort that sort of like, they they found out who their fans were. And 
they were like, okay, once the fans don't have to like donate to us and like fighting the the man, Hagen Dazs, the doughboy. Yeah, they had yeah. fish food is a very good flavor with little chocolate fish in it, named after the band Fish. What do they do? The Tonight Dough, which is another chocolate chip cookie dough version. Yes, and then they had, didn't they get in trouble for like the basketball player, uh, Lynn Sanity? They did because they had fortune cookies in it and people were like, that's racist. Oh, named after Jeremy Lynn, I guess. Yeah. But like, I bet Jeremy Lynn was cool with it. Of course. He was like, I have ice cream named after me. And there was like some Karen who was like, excuse me. Jeremy Lynn famously was very open and cool about his ethnicity. I know this is off topic for ice cream, but like I remember some he he like got his hair braided at one point and some like black basketball player was like, he looks ridiculous and that's like offensive. And Jeremy Lynn was like, you have like a Chinese character tattoo. Exactly. He's like, you're like, eating my ice cream right now. So, but he was cool. No, but he was like, I think that's really cool, though. I think it's really cool that we can like appreciate each other's culture. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how that that ended. Yeah, and I guess like New York Super Fudge Chunk, they just named after New York, and nobody sued them. So maybe that was a safe play. I was gonna tell you about frozen yogurt. the The uh, latest yeah. story in ice cream, it kept evolving. It did. Uh, oh, wow. Because wow, wow. I was going to. So at the very. So stay tuned just for the very, very end. We'll talk about the most popular ice cream flavors brand slash brands and then the, some weird ones. So that's okay. like a little preview. So uh, tell me about the rest of the history. Yeah. Frogurt and Froyo was invented. So Ben and Jerry's get like they became popular in the 70s. In the 80s, there was like the whole health kick um, for like diet, whatever and, and healthier foods. And the entrepreneur H.P. Hood introduced frozen yogurt. And frozen yogurt has the same ingredients as ice cream, except it does also have live bacteria cultures in it. So frozen yogurt is also known as Frogurt or Froyo. Froyo is a trademarked name. So we won't say it anymore on this podcast. So it's pretty much a soft serve. It's got a very similar taste to ice cream, but it's a little more tart. And so HP Hood invented or founded a company called TCBY, which stands for This Can't Be Yogurt. Yeah, so they opened their first shop in 1981. And by 1984, there were more than 100 frozen yogurt chains nationwide, TCBY leading it. So and healthy for it you. It became, it's not. It has just as much sugar and fat as like ice cream or as soft serve does, which I think was a little misleading. But people assume that because yogurt was being marketed as a health food and like you could put granola on your frozen yogurt oh yeah up, so up people, those carbs people were, people were like yes now finally a healthy dessert and some of it was actually fat free which is impressive it's impressive to make ice cream that is fat free or soft serve even that's fat free but it means you're using some other additive that acts as like is taking the place of the fat or whatever in your in your product. So it's probably not necessarily low calorie. It's just fat free. Uh, so yeah, frozen yogurt is still very popular. It's 10% of the entire frozen dessert market. And then TCBY, the trend kind of faded, I guess, by the mid nineties. I remember there's a TCBY that opened when I was like six or seven years old in like the local, uh, like strip mall. They would sometimes stop at. And I think my parents were fooled and they thought it was healthy as well. 
So yeah, then it went into like a little bit of a decline, and then there was a renaissance with Pinkberries, as you remember from Curb Your Enthusiasm, oh, the famous yeah. like Pinkberries episode, where they're supposed to get it for the dog. Oh yeah. But instead, Larry eats it because it's so good. Yeah, that's right. So Pinkberries is—I don't think they're doing anything different than TCBY, just like kind of like a little bit better marketing. And I think you get to like mix in toppings or something. There's like a little bit of a self-serve aspect to it. Oh, they also, <laughs> they tell you, you know, what the, what the calories are for like. Oh, for a tiny little serving? For a tiny little serving. But also, so when I think of, over, I know this isn't like the way that we use overrun in this discussion. Mm-hmm. But the way that I think of it is it's like the amount of like product above the cup. So that like their cup might be like a little itty bitty cup, but then they're like, they like yeah, fill they it up. It's like it. three times more. It's than like that. the Dairy Queen cone. Dairy Queen very famously because they do a they'll dip their froyo in like a hard shell, which is very impressive. But they'll like do a spiral that's like so tall. Yeah, it's like, give you, like a fat nine inch spiral, <laughs> and, then they, and then they dip it into the hard shell, <laughs> and it freezes. It's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, it's so a frozen yogurt. Uh, the recipe varies. Some places, it's like tart, and they make it taste more like yogurt, and it's tart because of lactic acid in the yogurt. Whereas other places just make it try to make it take taste like ice cream. Um, this I thought was weird. Unlike yogurt, frozen yogurt is not regulated by the FDA. Oh. This is just some weird aside in Wikipedia. I was like, this needs more. Oh, I think I know what it means. I think ice cream has to have a certain percentage of milk fat to be considered ice cream, but frozen yogurt doesn't have a percentage of like cultures or anything. So you could probably just be like a little little yeah. boop of culture. So we said ultra <laughs> premium ice cream needs less than fifty percent overrun, and it needs like I think certain amount of butter fat and oh like yeah, I have cream it here. and whatever else. Whereas frozen yogurt uh, is not regulated, except in Cali- like some U.S. states, notably California. They it, do regulate their froyo. Uh, it has to have ice cream has to have at least ten percent milk fat. There you go. Um, what if it's less than ten percent? Then it's ice milk. If it's well, yeah, then it's, it's nothing. So it doesn't count. Can I do a little science aside, and then we'll yeah we'll end with the sorry. the cool flavors. Yes. Okay, so ice cream. I've referred to a Wait. couple times in this episode. Wait, really quick. What? I didn't know there was a difference between sherbet and sorbet. I thought they were the same, but one was like British. Mm-hmm. So sherbet has a lower milk fat content is and sweeter than ice cream. And sorbet does not have any milk sorbet in it. Sorbet is non-dairy. Whoa. And then there's yeah. frozen custard, which has a, has to have at least 1.4% egg yolk. Nice. And then frozen yogurt. We just talked about that. They okay. said it's it's soft serve with yogurt <laughs> ingredients. Yes, and they're soft serve, less milk fat, more air. And then we have gelato, which is le- oh, I guess gelato might be if you have less than ten percent milk fat, you might you might have made yourself a gelato. You might be Italian. Yeah. Oh, it's turned slower to give it a dense texture. Oh yeah, less less overrun. I know. You know what's funny? Like the way that girls are addicted to Pinkberry, they're like wild for it. I know two guys who are like seriously addicted to gelato. Like it's a problem. It's like an issue that they're working through. So we talked several times and I mentioned several times that ice cream, the actual texture of it is 
uh, a very cool miracle of physics because it, it's a colloidal em emulsion. So an emulsion is when you mix two liquids that would otherwise not be mixable. Oh, okay. Right? So like you, oil and water. Exactly. So think about ice cream and the ingredients in it because like you've got a uh, milk itself is like a colloid. You've got like fats in like water in some liquid and yet they're immersed. It's an emulsion. Um, so like if you just left the ingredients of ice cream like out sitting somewhere, they would separate, right? You'd get like instead a layer of like sort of water and then a top layer of like fat Ooh. separating from the cream, which would be disgusting. Yeah. So specifically it's like because it's mixed and because it, it like gets the two things, I guess the, the ingredients together. So specifically the, if we break down the ingredients to, you know, water slash ice, milk fat, milk protein, sugar, and air. And air is a key component of ice cream. So the water and fat shouldn't mix. Those are the highest like proportions like the, by weight. And th those things should never really like go together. So, it's then turned into a foam during the churning process by incorporating air into it. And then as it's frozen by churning, you keep ice crystals from forming. So, you know, if, if you ever had like an ice cream pint that's left in the freezer, like for a year or something, and it's like actually crunchy because like ice crystals have formed in it. Oh, yeah. I've seen that where they look furry. Now yeah. 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 And there's like when you actually eat that ice cream, it's like hard and has ice crystals in it. Um, so it's like crucial that you also mix in air with it. So the, like the actual like recipe, the process of it is like much more than just the ingredients that are in it to get the fat to like nicely mix into the, the water. You need emulsifiers. Um, and like by stirring in the air, you get like a foam, I guess lactose, which is also present in milk. It's a sugar. It's like milk sugar. Um, also like, further lowest lowers the freezing point of the ice cream um which keeps it softer at like a low temperature so it's like this very specific combination of ingredients needed to create ice cream so I love now that. what's the most popular ice cream okay so in the u.s because yeah we don't know the rest of the world i'll tell you about strange flavors from around the world so we're gonna talk about the the best most popular flavors what is your favorite flavor of ice cream chocolate chip cookie dough Okay, you on the list. Okay, so chocolate is number one, then vanilla, then straw oh strawberry, mint chocolate chip, butter, pecan, and other. They're all tied. I didn't know butter pecan was that popular. Yeah, I guess so. And then chocolate chip cookie dough. So there you go. Cookies and cream, Rocky Road coffee, chocolate chip, pistachio, Neapolitan, and birthday cake. I like how Neapolitan is really low on the list, but the top three flavors are Neapolitan, chocolate, vanilla, people, strawberry. People are they're like, don't combine those. Don't combine. I'd like to buy one separate carton of each to create yes. my own Neapolitan. Yes. I bet in Latin America it's dulce de leche. Oh, I don't. It's a really can, popular look, flavor. Look up around America. the world because I don't have that one. It's okay. We can just speculate. Okay. okay the the top selling. So what would you say that number one uh, selling brand is? What well, you can you can look it up. Is it Briars? No. Hagen dazs Nope. Dryers? Dryers? Edie's? It's actually private label. So it's like your local, like your local ice cream 
store like because because that's there's not local a ice brand cream. that's like no a, it's private label it's brand. by far like the most popular wait but private label just means any local manufacturer is that what it, it could means? be any of it's those like it's like version? any any of those are the most popular which i guess is unfair but okay after that there's ben and jerry's so they they did beat out Hagen dazs so Hagen dazs number t- number two if we're not including the private label thing bluebell which is named after the, I think the state flower of Texas or something. Then Briars, then Turkey Hill, and then I guess Dryers and Edies are the same company. Oh, they still are. Okay, they didn't separate. No, it was Edies and Briars, right? No, it was Dryers. Oh, Dryers and Edies. Okay. Um. So Tillam Tillamook, which I don't even know what that is. Talenti. Tillamook is in uh, it's the name of a town in Oregon. Oh. And they're also famous for their ch- their cheese. Okay. Tillamook cheddar is very famous. Nice. So they're probably like the Pacific Northwest. You see Tillamook ice cream everywhere, mm-hmm. I bet. Then there's Talenti, which is isn't that it's kinda like I guess it's gelato that's on the edge. It's like ice cream on the edge of gelato. And then blue bunny. So those are the top selling. Okay. So worldwide. Vanilla's still in them? Vanilla's oh, number one, followed by chocolate, followed by strawberry. Oh, is this the same list? Followed by chocolate chip cookie dough. There's a flavor in New Zealand called Hokey Pokey, which oh. is funny because that goes back to like what they called just like the little ice cream dishes they were selling right. in London. But apparently the New Zealand version is uh, it's plain vanilla ice cream with honeycomb toffee lumps. I've, oh, Lily would like that. I feel like she's she's a toffee caramel kind of lady. Yeah. In her ice cream. And there's a modern version that has a small ball of honeycomb. It's, but yeah, it's like a toffee toffee mixed in with ice cream. Ne- oh, Neapolitan's like up. It's a little higher. That's the flavor I was looking for. Ube. Ube is really popular in the Philippines. It's made with purple yam. Oh, yeah. Like t- it's like taro almost, but Yeah, purple. it looks okay. a lot like taro. It's like sweet potato ice cream. Okay. Yeah, apparently okay. it's it has a nutty taste. Sorry, I'm reading. There's some dessert you make called Halo Halo <laughs> with it, which you can get in San Diego in the U.S. There's butter yeah. pecan, mint chocolate chip. Oh, and pistachio is real popular. Pistachio. I think in, like, Turkey. It makes sense. It checks out. Uh, all right, I'm going to tell you some. number. The w- number one weirdest one is horse. They have an indoor amusement park, and they have Ice Cream City where it's they have uh, like gross goosebumps kind of flavors. They have horse flesh, cow tongue, salt, yakisoba, octopus, and squid. I guess th- that accounts for like all. Just go there; you'll have all the weirdest flavors. Okay, so there's also pickled mango, which is a cream cheese based ice cream with spicy mango sauce. Weird, and it's American. It's not like I assumed it would be Indian, but no. It's Ohio-based Jenny's Splendid <laughs> Ice Creams. It's an Ohio company. She's constantly right. pushing the boundaries. Corn on the Cob, Max and Mina's in Queens. That's funny. Americans are still very much on the forefront of ice cream innovation. Yeah. Oh, so Max and Mina's in Queens has like, um, what do you call it? Savory. They have like, corn. the Corn on the Cob, they have horseradish, garlic pizza, garlic comma pizza, lox, and jalapeno we should do a field trip go try right? this weird ice cream in new york city odd fellows has they have the f- the faux gras foie gras 
foie. I cannot say that. It's so weird. I like can't say the word. I can't say it. Okay, so we have a bunch of really there's creative ice creams close to us. Yeah, there's a ghost pepper. Yep. Bourbon. Bourbon and cornflake. Nice. Brown turkey. Oh, Il Laboratorio. That was the one that my one of my friends is like addicted to. Like he's addicted. It's oh really wow! Sad. They do a Thanksgiving themed. Yeah. Fresh brown turkey. They have a sh- they have a shop right near uh, in the west west village yeah let's it's stop like right by. down right in the west village that's like the gelato corner because there's like another gelato pl- place right next door and they're both doing fine there's lobster i've heard about lobster ice cream yeah you would not like that no you could die it's in maine of course it's in maine there's creole tomato gross new orleans there's e- eskimo I- are we allowed to say that mm-hmm. eskimo <laughs> ice cream is sold in you know wait what's unique about it oh it's just the flavor is the flavor of like an eskimo pie normally that's like a dessert but they made it in a flavor so let's i don't know okay okay and then there's the big gay ice cream store which is also we walk past it all the time yeah and they have cheetos i wonder if the (laughs) i wonder if that sales went up or down during the trump (laughs) nice we need to get out there it sounds like at least like a half dozen of these creative flavors are in our neighborhood. Yeah, they're all over the place. And I think our listeners are probably excited to get out there too and go buy some ice cream. Yeah. You know what else? While you're waiting in line for the ice cream, you could give us a five star. Just give us five stars because it really does help. You know, people say that a lot, but it actually really does. Like that's how people find us. Or you could just tell someone to listen. It helps more people discover this podcast. Mm -hmm. And it makes you look like a classy person. It does. We'll shout you out if you say something nice or mean or whatever, cute. As long as there's five stars, we'll we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm.